Meterse uno bien al arco más que se luce. And welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show, where Orlando City have turned around what was a very bad loss to Cincinnati to a win at LA for the first time since 2015. They have won on the West Coast and have won in LA for the first time ever. How about that? Quite an accomplishment. Anyways, my name is Austin David here with Kyle Foley. We're going to break that down. We're going to break it down the uh, the nil-nil draw between Orlando Pride and the Washington Spirit. Orlando City B start their third iteration, technically, in five days. They play on Saturday at 3 o'clock at Osceola Heritage Park. The U.S. men's national team comes to town this weekend. There is a lot going on. On. So, without further ado, Kyle, how you doing? Doing great. I mean, Orlando City won a game, so it's always a good feeling. Yeah, and for the second week in a row, the team that was statistically worse got the win. This is in an Orlando is true. game. This is true. So, without further ado, let let's 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 talk about it. Um, Orlando won one nothing. Uh, they were dominated. In possession, shots, shots on goal, block shots, total passes, passing accuracy, corners, crosses, uh, duels won. Um, actually pretty even on fouls, and they, they did win in the offsides battle. They were three times offside. Uh, and also, the most important one... As we uh, all talk about, and when Brad is on the show, it's his favorite part, uh, the expected goals. Kyle, do you want to have a guess at what LA's expected goals were compared to Orlando's? No, because I have I have the page pulled up right here. Oh, well, that's no fun. LA Galaxy 2.3 expected goals to Orlando's 0.5. Yeah, it's, and, uh, yeah it's that's, a big that's, That is a big difference, but it also says... What a great job defensively Orlando did. I mean, Antonio Carlos, Pedro Galese, uh, Robin Janssen, even even Kyle Smith came in and did a job. Rodrigo Schlegel came in at the towards the end of the game. You know, it, it was a job, and they got it done. Yeah, I mean, honestly, those are the games that teams that want to compete for champions championships have to win. You have to win a game where you are... If you, you come away dominated in every stat except the one that matters. And teams teams that want to be good, teams that want to win, that's what they do. Yeah. Orlando City. And, and, and again, good? they haven't they haven't won since their inaugural season on the West Coast, which just so happened to be in Portland, which is their next opponent. Not sure what that says about this weekend coming up, because one, they'll be missing three players that are off in international duty, and Facundo Torres, Pedro Galese, 
and Sebas Mendez, who, by the way, Mendez started for the first time this season and had an excellent game in the midfield. And it was interesting because it was like Mendez, Araujo, Urso, and Pereira in the midfield. And it's like, what are they doing with this? So it, it was interesting when it first came out in the lineup and then you kind of saw it on the field where Urso was kind of playing as a right mid almost. And it worked. You know, Araujo and, and Mendez, they, they played really well together. And Mendez probably overplayed Araujo, who's been playing really well this year. It was it was something unexpected, and I think that helped in Orlando's advantage. Then they went more of a defensive shape by taking out Pereira and putting in Schlegel towards the, the last 20 minutes of the game. You bring in guys that can kind of stretch the field, and Tesho Akindele and Benji Michel in the second half, and can just lob balls over top, uh, taking out Juan so that you can focus more defensively with Kyle. It was a good game plan by Oscar Pereja, and and it's one of those games where you can say that because of the scoreline. If they had conceded at any point, and there were 20 shots by LA, so very easily could have, it would have been, oh, you know, they, they went too defensive, they should have been more attack-minded, you know, this, that, and the other could have been said. And if they had lost, it would have been, you know, why, why would you go so defensive, and, you know, you, you take away your offensive options, and that didn't happen. So, Oscar Pereja masterclass when they win. That that is that is the general lesson here today. I can't really argue with that. It's uh, it, it's interesting watching the way they said it. You talk about set, setting up very defensively, and it was very much a defensive approach. I think the phrase I used was was bend not break, which is, I mean, that's a it's a pretty standard phrase but when you especially in mls when you go on the road completely cross country basically as far away as you can get from orlando with the exception of going up to portland or seattle i think it's your mentality almost has to be we're not going in to win this game we're just going in to not lose and i don't think i don't know if that's the right mentality to have i think that you know yes that is something that you should take into consideration but at the same time like having a like don't lose mentality is almost kind of negative yeah but you're not going to win every game you're just not and and Orlando City is also while I think Orlando City is a a playoff contender it's still not nearly to the point especially this early in the season where calling Orlando a a championship contender is a is a fair thing to say and I think I think when your goal is to make the playoffs and have a successful season your goal is to win at home Draw on the road, similar to, I know we're going to talk about the U.S. men's national team later on, but similar to kind of how that approaches a World Cup qualifying. It's like, you have a thing that you want to get to. Here's how you do it. And so I think the the approach of this early in the season, you don't, you don't want people to get hurt. You don't want to be too risky on the road. Now, part of what that also does is then that gets you to where, by the end of the season, when it comes towards getting ready to qualify for the playoffs and, and get in, if you're able to go get these points on the road against really good teams, if we had come away with a point, I'm speaking from the, the mentality of, of, of the Orlando City approach, realistically, your chances of needing to get wins in the last like month of the season are a lot lower because you're at the point where you're, you're already in. You're already where you need to be. You don't have to necessarily worry as much. You don't have to take as many risks towards the end, which allows you to approach the playoffs in, in a better position health-wise. So I'm fine with this approach, especially this early in the season. It can't be your approach 100% of the time. 
there are going to be times where you need to go out and win, but I think with the way MLS is set up, with the way the the travel, I mean, having to travel cross-country like that is is wild. It's not something, obviously, that, that is fixable because the country is very big, but so I think you've you've got to kind of mitigate different risks of whether it's injury, which is something the team has struggled with for a very long time, or just flat out disappointing. And I think, and I think again, but then, so when you go in with that approach of our goal is to, you know, if we come away with a point in this, we're happy to come away with three, very successful. And again, I think that's the difference between a borderline playoff team and a borderline playoff run team, a team that, that, you know, is probably not going to win it all, but if they make a good run will not be as surprising. And so I think it's really good to see, Going in with the approach of being defensive and not getting obliterated, bend don't break, and there was a lot of bending. And so, you know, it's it's kind of nice, kind of nice to see that. It also shows some promise from from obviously for Kudo Torres scoring. It's nice to see that. And again, in a situation where you're not set up to really go in on the attack that much, so I think there were there were there were actually more good things to take away from the game where we were dominated entirely on the stat sheet. Yeah, than, again, than ben, ben, ben don't break or park the bus or any of those scenarios or sayings. Any Anything you want to say is, is kind of relative. The old I mean, try not to lose technique. Or the bunker technique <laughs> where works. you throw 11 players behind the ball and just defend for 90 minutes, which, again, when you score early, it's so much harder to do because it, it – you're basically playing a one-sided game for the next 75, 80 minutes. So again, that, that gives even more kind of credit to Orlando for being able to hold on the way they did. And again, LA, like their, their shots on target compared to their actual shots, like they had 20 shots, but in terms of on target shots, they had three, you know, how many shots Orlando had six, you know, how many of those were on target Two. one of those went in. Statistically speaking, the shots on goal is even. And so that's an even better job defensively, but also kind of bad for LA for not being clinical in finishing. And, and again, I do want to, to kind of say this because of the statistical disadvantage that Orlando was in despite winning, uh, we must go ahead and abide by this law. Science! is a liar sometimes this is true i think yes. numbers are more math than science but well math it, math and science are very very incestuously connected so yeah in a very roundabout way science and math are the same and also very different they both like the existence of birds are not real it, it, it it's it's arguable science much do, like math is a liar sometimes do you know what's not arguable though what that Orlando City sit fifth in the MLS Eastern Conference through four games. And it doesn't matter. Sure because does. Do you, it's because four games do, in. Can you? Can you? But do you know what teams were above the New I England mean, a lot Revolution? Of yeah, but whatever. That's <laughs> the, they'll figure the, it out. The, the there's two. Eastern there's Conference two teams. Champions. There's two teams specifically that were above. Let me guess. It's Atlanta and Miami. Oh boy, does it feel good! It's shout out early. Sh- shout out to Dom Dwyer for his incredible appearance over the weekend. 
Yeah, 64th minute, subbed in. 67th minute, red card. We've also come full circle with... Uh, I'm aware it's only four games in. I, I do know I do know math. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia is sitting in first. My very first appearance on a soccer podcast in my entire life was shitting on Philadelphia. <laughs> Good on you, Philadelphia. You're they turned it around all because of you. Exactly. I'm taking credit for it. Your city's still garbage, but your team might be a little bit better. <laughs> Have you ever been to Philly? Uh, no. I don't go to that side <laughs> of Pennsylvania. How would you know you, if it's bad? Do you know though? what? Do you know what Philly's like right across the border from? New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey. Yeah. Do you, Do you think I want to go anywhere near New Jersey? If I wanted to do that, I could just go walk into a porta potty somewhere. <laughs> no, thank you. Stinky. Exactly. Uh, all right. Um, let's talk about that Facundo Torres goal. It yeah. came out of nothing. Uh, even the commentators were shocked. And it was Urchan Kara who had the assist. So Facundo Torres in back-to-back games has had goal contributions. So an assist in the Cincinnati game and a goal in the LA game. And now he's often playing for Uruguay, which he may not even actually play in this window for the World Cup qualifiers. Them's the breaks. But Orlando loses him and Pedro and Sebas in a moment where probably Orlando shouldn't have been playing because guess who's the only MLS team that's playing on Sunday when the U.S. Men's National Team play? It's Orlando. Who could that? <laughs> who are also hosting the U.S. Men's National Team. So imagine this weekend for Orlando City and their staff. OCB at three on Saturday. Pride away on Sunday. City away, sorry, Pride away Saturday night at seven o'clock. City away Sunday, four o'clock. U.S. Men's National Team home, seven o'clock. Can I just say, not really related to Orlando City in this manner, the fact that MLS still does not break for international games no no no. they do it's, it's just ridiculous. not for orlando not for orlando or portland or sporting or rsl or charlotte or cincinnati that's the it's three games how do you have games going on at, at like the same time as international games when when you want to claim that you are a entering the upper echelon of of leagues in the world i don't know if i necessarily believe mls is really there but i can guarantee you that people in M- the mls headquarters are absolutely calling themselves comparable with some of the top leagues in the world or at least reaching there right mm-hmm. that's their goal and yet we're gonna have games this weekend where orlando is missing all of their best players because they're playing for national teams mm-hmm. it's 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 it didn't make sense 10 years ago but back then, it was way less of a of an issue. It didn't really affect as much. It is significantly more frustrating now. And any game played during an international break does not count in my personal record book. So whatever Orlando, happens this weekend doesn't count. Orlando, Orlando could win ten nothing. Doesn't count. I think we'll review that once the result comes in next week, and see how you feel about it. That's fine. I'm I'm capable of being very stubborn. <laughs> that I can confirm with 100% accuracy. <laughs> I just it's 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 a shitty 
like again, look at look at the biggest loss for Orlando this weekend is going to be Pedro Colese, right? Mm. He 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 arguably more than the rest of the defense is the reason that we came away with a win in LA with some incredible saves. Now I will say, don't discount Nathan Stadahar. I I'm not dis. It's not discounting him to say that Pedro Golese is better though. I mean, yeah, like, no, like, like, if Golese, if Golese was, if if Golese was hurt, and Mason was playing, you you won't see you don't see any or, or they're resting him or whatever. There's no issue for me on that. That's that's part parcel of the game, right? Mm-hmm. It happens all the time, or or you decide, you know, for for whatever reason, there's plenty of times where a backup keeper gets into plays. But coming in and playing because oh yeah we're you know your team doesn't get an international break so your you know superstar goalkeeper and his instruments of goal saving will be away it's just like I I, I don't get it <laughs> I don't get and I don't get why the league thinks people are gonna watch these games it's an ESPN game too and they yeah, probably not, did that on purpose so that they could have something to fill the time slot for ESPN. It might be a TV deal thing, honestly, where they have to fill like a certain amount of games, or they have to fill yeah. But you know, it's Sunday you, game. You know, it's wild though when they're making these TV deals and MLS is looking through it. They can they can dictate some of the terms before they sign the deal, and they can go, "Well, we're not going to play when there's international games going on." Well, the new the new TV deal will come up soon, so that might be something that they address. Anyways, I don't know. It looks like the new TV deal might be worse than the old TV deal, so uh, we'll, 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 we'll see. Yeah, we'll, that's a whole we'll different see. can of worms. Uh, speaking but, of Mason, though, um, you know, I talked to him this morning at training, and he was actually super excited to play in Portland. He he said that the the turf, um, he said that the turf is the best turf that he's ever played on. Which I found interesting. So, um, isn't, isn't all turf like he said? He said it plays like grass, and it's the best field, best turf field in the league. You know, I I can I can believe that. I I think Portland's soccer side of things sometimes like like things like that. You know, they I think they take the soccer part of their jobs very seriously in Portland. The rest of it, like being decent human beings, they they don't. Mm. But I do think they take the on-field stuff pretty seriously. Yeah. So I can Andy, believe that Andy Polo stuff is just continuously getting worse. I I can believe that they put a lot of care and attention t- into the way that their turf feels and plays. Now, whether they care about wives of players being victims of domestic violence, mm. it's a whole different story. Yeah. Uh, that is uh, less than ideal. Now, um, for Mason, uh, I'll play a little clip of what he what he told us this morning, um, because you know we asked him like, "Hey, you know what what's it going to be like playing in front of that crowd? Because you're probably going to be in goal in front of the Timbers Army at some point in the game." So uh, here's his response to to playing in front of those uh, those fans. Yeah, it's fun. It's going to be a good environment. You know, anytime. Obviously, we have a great environment at home, and we have some of the best fans in the, in the in the league, if not the best. So it's always fun to play in front of a, a raucous crowd, as he said. So. so he's he's excited. You know, he he was he was pretty excited today. Um, and you know, there, some some people were asking like, oh, you know, is is Greenwich going to start? But I think that Mason is 
pretty much solidified himself as the second keeper in this team. Grinwis is, is third string behind Mason when a couple years ago it was the other way around. And it just shows to the, the growth that Mason has been able to a- achieve and the ability that he has been able to kind of tap into and, and prove to the new coaching staff since he's been here since 2015, which is crazy. But it's nice to see him finally getting his his game times. You know, is he ready for a, a starting job in MLS? That I can't say for sure because his sample size is still very small in the grand scheme of things. You know, he's, his professional experience is still only about 20, 25 games total. So I think that when you get more of Mason when Pedro is gone and you get him into a groove, kind of like what he was doing in those five games last year, then you'll start to see more of what Mason is fully capable of. And and there's always a possibility that he could get loaned down for a game or two with OCB as well. So um, there's still some potential over there. And we'll get into uh, OCB here in a bit because there's there is some stuff going on with them. Uh, nothing concrete, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But Point of the matter is Mason will be starting for Orlando City and a very exciting time for them on Sunday who will be playing the Portland Timbers and Yimmy Chara, who, funny enough, Antonio Carlos talked about him today. He said that he played against Yimmy in Brazil many a time. So he knows how fast he is and how uh, dangerous he can be on the attack. So definitely going to be uh, an interesting matchup for Yimmy Chara against Antonio Carlos, who at the very least is still alongside the team because he did an, a, a really, really excellent job defensively in that LA Galaxy game. Did not get any credit on the Team of the Week sheet, but all things considered, having him in that back line is, is still a very important piece. All right. Outside of that, let's talk about uh, a shameless plug that I will be <laughs> putting in here. Um, the other day, I talked to Tesho Akindeli and Benji Michel about some of their um, other things that they're doing outside of soccer. And I had a really great conversation with Tesho. It was like a half-hour conversation that I had with him just about everything that he's been doing and, and his kind of background into uh, real estate investing, crypto, NFTs, and why he wants to get involved in stuff like that. And, you know, he's he's very financially sound. And it kind of goes into, like, a background of when he left college at Colorado School of the Mines uh, back in 2013. He left a year before he graduated. And he didn't tell his parents that he was leaving. So his parents, as well as his father-in-law, were big factors into him going back to school, getting his degree, and also getting more ducks in a row, if you will, in terms of his financial future. Because one of the things he talked a lot about in terms of uh, his financial soundness is, is real estate. Like he's, he's kind of looked into crypto and looked into NFTs lately, but real estate has been his big uh, kind of point. You know, it's it's been like within the last year or two that he's done all of that crypto and nft stuff but um yeah it was just interesting talking to him about his kind of philosophy and and talking to some of his teammates like kyle smith (laughs) 
Kyle Smith has really gotten into NFTs and he's been trying to get people into NFTs within the team. Uh, Benji Michel, he has taken a different approach and is getting into trucking. And the crazy thing about the, the thing with Benji, which you can obviously read in my story on the Orlando Sentinel, like I said, shameless plug, is that his truck drivers make more than he does, which is kind of mind-blowing. Like, I think the, the, the yearly production that he told me for his trucking company was $220,000 a year for one truck. And his drivers can make up to $9,000. Like, I think it was either a week or a month. Which is just kind of mind-blowing. Where it's like it's not something you really think about, but if you're driving long distances and you're, you know, you're you're moving products, it, it can be very lucrative. And Benji, it, his plan is to get a couple more trucks, and he could be making over a million dollars just in trucking every year. Which I'm pretty sure is is more than his yearly salary for MLS. Isn't that crazy? It is it is very good for him just as a, as a businessman, but, but more importantly, the fact that his, his drivers seem to be making some really good money is, is awesome. You hear a lot of times, especially like Amazon and the way they treat their drivers, but even, and I know, I know driving for things like that is different than truck driving, but, and you look at like Uber and, and places like that and the way they treat their drivers, it's, it, it's very, uh, ex- exploit. So what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. uh, you know what I'm exploitative. They, they ex- <laughs> exploitative. There we go. They, 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 absolutely exploit their drivers and treat them like absolute garbage so uh for him to to have his drivers making a pretty good chunk of change that's that's quite good and then obviously for him uh very sad that mls salaries are where they are that that's making him more money but yeah you know well, it's more it's more sad that that's where his salary is because he's he's making one hundred and fifteen thousand one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars a year in guaranteed compensation his base salary is one hundred and nine thousand. so he's still on that like contract that he signed back in 2018 i think or 2019 when he first joined orlando city uh so i know he his contract is up at the end of this year i think he's going to be looking for a raise and if orlando city doesn't give it to them then he may be looking elsewhere i i will just say there are worse things that athletes have done with their money and so more power oh yeah and and the thing is he benji is 24 years old tesho is is about to hit 30 at the end of this month so the thing with talking with tesho is like i wish i knew what i know now about investing and and setting myself up for success after playing at 24 years old than i did just two years ago at 29 or 28 so the fact that benji is getting on this and the fact that tesho is kind of talking to all of his young teammates he's talking to like thomas and all these younger guys who are you know 18 19 20 years old about all these different avenues that they can invest in so he's 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 basically like the guy to go to for anything investment related and it's not just you know real estate nfts or crypto it's it's any different kind of avenues and tesho's is always curious about those different kind of avenues um to the point where he's started this kind of pseudo podcast on Twitter spaces called Tesho Tuesdays, where every Tuesday he gets together with different people from uh, different realms of society, whether it be his teammates, former teammates, uh, people in crypto, people in, in NFTs, people in real estate, and just talks to them. 
picks their brain and then people in the audience can chime in and ask questions to those people. So you you know you kind of learn a lot from different places, and uh, it's definitely interesting to especially because like I listened to his one on NFTs, and I was telling him about this like I listened to it the whole hour. I still don't get NFTs. I don't think I will, but I kind of understood a little bit more at the very least. So it was just interesting to hear people talk about it at the very least because they they've got this thing. It's called Football Punks, which is an NFT that he's gotten. Dom Dwyer, John Kempen, another former Orlando City player back in 2013, and I think um, a couple other players involved in now, where basically they all have like, you know, their own kind of 8-bit characters that are based on themselves, and each of them have stats, like a trading card, so kind of works in that respect. And there's like different versions of it with different like speed stats or shooting stats. I don't know. It's interesting. If you're if you're interested, then uh, Tesho Tuesday's crypto or NFT talk a couple weeks ago is where you want to go and listen to that. But um, otherwise, go check out my article in the Orlando Sentinel, which uh, dropped today. Definitely don't go to anything and heckle people who talk about crypto and NFTs. That would be a terrible thing to do. And also, don't. Control, click save. Hundred percent, do that. No, that's that one. That one, I'll unequivocally say do that. <laughs> yeah, give that a nice right click. You know, right click save. Yep. Listen, I, I, and I'm not one to people. People are gonna do what they're gonna do. Again, again, there are still worse things for people to do with their money and things like that. So my only caveat that I'll mention to people is just. Be careful who you listen to and what you listen to. If it sounds too good to be... If, if you want to get into something because you like it, sure. I don't care what it is. Right? Don't put there, all eggs in your basket. If you are you want to get into NFTs and crypto because it sounds cool and you're interested in it, whatever. Who am I to tell you not to do that? I certainly... like I buy, I buy lots of stupid stuff from my computer all the time that I definitely don't need. So, like, whatever. It sounds too good to be true, though. Spoiler alert. Might be. It is. So just be <laughs> careful. Just uh, There's been a lot of stories of people the last couple of years trying to get into these the, these investing things, and it's turned out very poorly for them. And always, yeah, just always, yeah. important, always important to be careful. But mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways, that's, uh, that's all for Orlando City. Uh, in terms of injuries, there are none, surprisingly. Andres I'm Perea sorry. is <laughs> back in training. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? Yeah, so there are, out, out, there well, there's, are no... there's there's three players missing due to international duty, but officially there's nobody on the injury report as of today. Uh, that could change by the time they play on Sunday, but Sylvester van der Vader and Andres Perea, who have been on the injury report the last couple weeks, uh, Sylvester got off last week, and Andres Perea is back in training as of today. Whether he is healthy enough to play is a different story because he was getting some uh, training uh, tape put on at training today. So it remains to be seen, but everybody that is on the team is out there and healthy. Ish. <laughs> I just didn't know it was possible to live in a world where all of the Orlando City players are actually like... Yeah, I feel like we're going to jinx it now. I'm knocking on wood right now. I'm going to make a, you know, definitely not human sacrifice after we are done recording the show. <laughs> it's, 
uh, be, it'd be nice to see. Nice to see. The last couple of years, we've had the combination of you get the combination of international breaks plus you're already missing players that are hurt. So I think it would be, I think it'd be, I think it'd be nice to not have to deal with all those issues at the same time. Yeah. All right. With that, let's move on to the Orlando Pride, and let's talk about their nil-nil draw, uh, aka the Inspector Brad special, where it's a nil-nil draw and everyone goes home mad. Um, this one specifically, a lot of people went home mad because of uh, various reasons not pertaining to the result of the game. And so I suppose we'll start with that. Um, on Saturday evening, the uh, Black Swans Drinking Club, the official supporter group of the Orlando Pride, uh, tweeted out a statement that read as such. Tonight we had a simple banner that says gay, and we were forced to remove it for, quote, political reasons. After several discussions with the front office, they decided we cannot display it. We are standing with our LGBTQIA plus community, and we will not have any drums, coordinated chants, or smoke until our concerns are addressed with a mutual agreement between parties. We are very disappointed in this decision, as we feel strongly that this is a human rights statement, not political. That was the big thing that happened at the moment. Um, they said that the uh, front office decided it. And from what I've heard talking to the fans from the Black Swans uh, and from people that were there to people in the front office, it, it sounds to me like there was somebody, not necessarily within the front office, but within the uh, stadium operations people that were taking the law too literally. And I, I'm not sure if it's necessarily what it was i think it was a big misunderstanding and a mistake made by whoever was involved on the club side uh but i wouldn't say that this is a front office mix up i think I, I think the thing to be said and and the club said this very well in their statement what happened was wrong full stop like making the banner be taken down 100% wrong not a good thing bad thing to happen also bad to to assign motives or blame to quote the front office end quote when there are so many people who work for the club in in so many different capacities especially when it comes to game day operations that have probably very i would say little to no contact with the front office and most of what they do is just kind of it's just the game day operations mm -hmm. and and those things are handled very differently the thing that frustrated me, and we were talking about this all as a group as this was all unfolding, and our big thing was like, there's got to be more to the story. There's got it. This just doesn't feel. Obviously, none of us were were supportive of of the banner being taken down. Right. To be to be very clear on that, unequivocally against that being taken down. The question mark was, there's got to be more to the story of why it was taken down. And so the thing that that really frustrated me was that all of the discussion on social media about what happened was, you know, how could the club do this? How could the front office do this? The There were calls about how, well, this is what, you know, there were always rumors about new ownership. No, there weren't. There was never any rumors about new ownership being anti-LGBT in any way. Mm. And it was just this this giant outpouring of, Oh, you know, we told you so. This is a terrible look. You know, this is you know, this is how the club really feels. They'll say one thing and do another. And I will, I will say, 
to be fair, a lot of that was coming from people on social media, not in Orlando. My favorite was a reply from someone saying they canceled their Pride season tickets and they live in Boston. Um, but man, I feel like when you look at everything the club has done for for the LGBT community, if you look at especially the Pride and you look at the players and how outspoken they've been, the idea that anybody with any actual influence or power in the club would go, well, we should probably take down a, a banner that says gay. Like, really? That's not believable. I don't believe for a second that that, that someone with any actual power does that. I, I will say that we don't know for certain who it was. No. I'm just going that, based but, but, on what people have told me. But but that also tells me that it was somebody who's not a big player. Because if it was somebody like actually in the front office, someone from those supporter groups would know who they were. Like, those yes. groups are very, very involved and in the know. Like, they're not dumb. They know who people are who work in the office. The fact that there was a day, here's here's the name of the person, here's who did it. Here's you know, and and we and we find out it was it was someone like with an actually actually like important position. But what what the fact that nobody is saying here's who actually made the call tells me that it was a game day someone in game day operations who who wanted to follow the letter of the law for NWSL instead of the spirit of the law and the spirit of the league. And it was a bad call, and that person, that person made a, had a made very a bad Monday. Put it that way. Yeah, they made a mistake. I'm also not going to attribute negative motives to that person because we don't know. I we don't know who it is, and we don't know their mentality behind it. It could absolutely have been that it was some batshit QAnon idiot, or it could be someone You're who not was here well-meaning. To assume, Kyle, I, I, let me finish. I said, or it could be someone who was very supportive, but but in a well-meaning way wanted to keep people from getting in trouble because under the under the letter of the law like doing making statements that are political for supporting groups is, is not something that NWSL allows. So mm. there's so many different ways it could have gone. There's still a lot we don't know, but what we do know is that the club has come out and 100% said this was wrong. We don't we don't support it. It was bad. And that to me is and it was a very honest it was it was not a you know, we didn't like they took the blame for it. They even did, though yes. it was, even though it was probably someone pretty minor, and that the yeah, club and, and, and there was the response from the club was, I think, one that was unanimously respected from from the community and and from the fans. I, I don't, sure. I, I didn't see too many negative things. Like they, comparatively to other teams, who just put out blanket statements saying there was, you know, th- this this has happened. We don't agree with it. We'll do better next time. This was this was a more detailed statement, and I think that speaks to more of the ownership than the original mistake is the response to that mistake. And the the response reads as such: Over the past two days, the Orlando Pride re- leadership team has taken part in numerous discussions with supporters, players, front office, and team staff, as well as community leaders in the LGBTQIA activism to address, listen, and learn from Saturday's events. These conversations resulted in one ultimate and important conclusion. A mistake was made when the club asked the Black Swans to remove the banner that said gay. The organization admits it wrongly focused on signage, policies, and procedures instead of allowing the important meaning of this message. It is a privilege and duty to create a safe, inclusive environment at Orlando Pride matches, and the club deeply apologizes for violating that trust through this incorrect decision. Moving forward, the Black Swans have approval to hang the banner at Pride home matches if they wish to do so. 
Over its seven-year history, the Orlando Pride and its players have been on the forefront of supporting equality initiatives, both in the local Orlando community and through its online platforms, and it is critical to continue with this mission. After much discussion and self-reflection with the, we, the Orlando Pride organization and Black Swans Drinking Club, the recognized supporter group of the Pride, are coming together to acknowledge that the mistake made on Saturday does not define what the Pride stand for. We are collectively now committing to establish better and more open lines of communication between our two parties. We remain steadfast in the goal of using our platforms and voices for positive change, all while doing the one thing that ties us together supporting and showcasing the hard work, talents, and impact of the Pride players both on and off the field. So again, despite what may have happened, whether it was somebody that was not involved fully with the club or if it was just a stadium operations manager or anything, the club took the blame for it and said, the organization admits it focused on the signage. Like, we, the organization. It wasn't just, no, this one person that didn't involve us. You know, they didn't try and pass the blame. They openly accepted it. They said, our bad, and we are apologizing for it. We are working to do better. Well, and, and I think and what that, I like- that, that, that's a statement that you could probably say uh, was good compared to other statements that other clubs have made in the past. I also just think even just beyond taking the responsibility to talk about how there is a privilege and a duty as a club in the position that they're in to stand up for people who, who need that support and to be vocal defenders and allies of people who are marginalized. And the club clearly like that does not read like a bullshit PR statement trying it was to thoughtful it was it was people. thought out it was it, it was very thought out and it was very it was acknowledging why what was probably a decision or whatever made by someone lower level still really matters because of the people that it impacts and so i i was very happy with that statement especially like you mentioned other clubs other teams and other sports looking at you cleveland browns where statements that come out from clubs are basically really long-winded ways to say shut the hell up who cares this was just a very you know get over yourselves watch the game this was just a very genuine apology for not not using their platform to cause positive change and so i i think that's a really good statement i think the approach from orlando as an organization has has always been geared towards that type of mentality, which is why the incident surprised me so much in the first place. And so to see them take that responsibility, but but to also see them publicly recognizing, again, like clubs in our positions, like we have a duty to to stand up for these things and to do something, you know, to, to allow people to express these things, to allow people to, more importantly than anything, feel safe at, at an Orlando Pride game feel like they are in a welcoming environment or an Orlando city game or, or, or I mean, obviously <laughs> love it. If people felt safe literally anywhere, but you know, to, to find these areas where the people who have control or influence can make a positive change in a positive atmosphere in the club, recognize that that's what they're in the position to do. I would like to see if more places could do that, but I'm going to take what we got from, um, from, from, from the pride. I thought it was a good statement. Yep. I would agree with that. And um, again, <laughs> it, it felt like it overshadowed a game, which 
Uh, honestly, the pride, they didn't concede. Uh, I think that is the biggest takeaway that we can we can have from this first match in the NWSL Challenge Cup is that, uh, one, they aren't the worst team in the group after the first day, uh, and that is progress from years past. Second, they held a shutout for the first time in a long time, which, again, progress. And third, they did it against the champions of last year in the Washington Spirit. So, despite coming up against a, a quote-unquote better team, statistically, fairly even. Um, possession wasn't dominant for Washington. It was 54-46. Uh you know, some of the, the passing was a little bit off for the Pride, but that's something in game one you don't really say, oh, wow, you know, this is horrible. It's game one. Like, this is still preseason for them. They have to work into it. So, all in all, it's not a bad result by any means. Uh, their biggest test will be this coming weekend because they play the team that won this past weekend, which was the North Carolina Courage. Uh, I was on the call for that game, so I got to see what North Carolina was doing in depth. And while they're not, like, great, they're good. Uh, they have some very dangerous players in uh, Dabinia, Denisa Sullivan, Carson Pickett, um, you know, Brianna Pinto even. Like, she, she, scored, um, she scored the first goal against her former club who drafted her last year, funny enough. And they really dominated Gotham. I, Gotham with Allie Krieger and Ashlyn Harris, um, they they did not look dangerous throughout most of the match. Like, the first 10 minutes were the most dangerous that Gotham showed. And then after that, North Carolina got into their rhythm, and it was a dominant performance the rest of the way through. Whether... North Carolina goes with that same lineup that they did last week as they do this week. It remains to be seen, but like Gotham didn't get anything on goal. Like they they had one shot on target, which was like a slow roller to Caitlin Rowland, who is technically the backup for this team. So it's like the team is beatable. Um, the pride really just need to mark down the the fullbacks. Merritt Mathias and Carson Pickett like to move up forward. Carson, especially on that left-hand side, is going to be a player to watch because she serves balls in from uh, not just from that uh, attacking third position, but also from uh, kind of the midfield, like some very early balls in from the left side. So, uh, you know, players like, Pinto and, and Hinkle and Dabinia can get into the box and kind of get in some positions. But both the goals from the Courage came off balls into the box. The first goal was from a cross from Carson Pickett into Pinto, who headed it in. The second one was a Dabinia cross off a corner that took a bounce and found Abby Ersig in the box to score the second. So realistically, on set pieces and on balls into the box, the Pride need to be solid defensively. And if they do that, then they have a chance of, of getting a result. So that that is what to look forward to this weekend. The game is at 7 o'clock on Paramount+. 
and internationally on Twitch if you are not from the U.S. of A. and if you're in Canada. Which is the U.S. of A.? <laughs> That's going to get deleted in editing, but I was very proud of it. No, I'll keep that in for you. Just for you. Anyways, uh, the Pride play that match on the road. Then they're back at home welcoming in Gotham and Ali Krieger and National Harris for the first time since they've been traded. So that'd be an interesting match. That's Wednesday, March 30th at 7 o'clock. So mark that on your calendars. Midweek game for you here in Orlando. And then their next game is on the road in Washington against the Spirit on Sunday, April 3rd. So it's basically home away, home away from the beginning to the end of the Challenge Cup. And again, Pride get a result against North Carolina. If they win, they're first in the group. It's it, Anything can happen. With that, let's go ahead and talk about Orlando City B, who finally have dropped a roster as of like... <laughs> I don't know, 20 minutes ago, um, they have officially dropped their MLS Next Pro roster, which includes a number of academy players as well as some just general MLS Next Pro contracts. So uh, notable names, Brandon Hackenberg and Nick Taylor, both draftees to the Orlando City MLS side who are now joining the MLS Next Pro side. Um other notable names that people may recognize is uh, Liam Gusky, uh, who's the little brother of Owen Gusky, who plays at UCF. Um, Andrew Forth, who used to be in the academy, has signed an MLS Next Pro contract. Um, mentioned a couple weeks ago that Moises Tablante is going to be on the roster, so he is officially on there now. Now, another name also that I want to throw out there, who's a former homegrown player of Orlando City and has been training with OCB, is one Jordan Bender. Now, Bender, uh, I tweeted yesterday that he was at training and that he was training with OCB, but he has not signed a contract with OCB, at least officially as of their roster drop. So uh, there is a potential for him down the line in the future, but as of right now, no. Uh, also, other notable names, Gonzalo Agastoni Chagas, who was the best player in the MLS Next tournament that Orlando City won. Uh, he has signed an official MLS Next Pro contract. Um, always good to, to see players like that getting involved. Um, one notable name that is not on there that people were expecting to be on there is Kembo Guadalupe. I don't know what's going on with that. He's been training with OCB. However, he has not officially signed a pro contract. He's still within the academy. So that's kind of the the gist of the OCB roster. It's a mixture of current academy kids, former academy kids, as well as some uh, pro guys that didn't quite make the MLS roster, but are right on the cusp. So at some points, you'll be seeing a lot of movement between the two teams. You'll see guys come uh, down to OCB and guys from OCB come up, so Hackenberg and Nick Taylor are still within the mix of getting MLS minutes, potentially, depending on injuries, call-ups, etc., but they have an avenue now to play professional games and meaningful minutes, whether it's with OCB or the MLS side. So you'll you'll see a lot of movement throughout the year, and um, 
yeah, just stay tuned. You can check out the roster on the OCB website as well and um, <laughs> break it down for yourselves. And now the final thing that's going on here in town this weekend, the U.S. men's national team, they play Mexico in Mexico on Thursday night, which by the time this comes out will be tonight. And win, then they come and play. clinching an appearance in the World Cup, but if they don't win, then this weekend's game becomes vital. Yes, yes. If if they draw and then win in Orlando, I think they clinch. I may be wrong on that. I don't know. Uh, point of the matter is they're playing Panama again for the, the second time in Orlando. Uh, last time they played, it was 4 nothing to the U.S. They won in convincing fashion, and it was a fun time. Uh, everybody thought that they were going to the World Cup after that game, and then Trinidad happened. So uh, let's hope that that doesn't happen again uh, because they play one more game after that. If the results this next couple of days don't go their way, it may end up coming down to the final game of qualifying, and, well, everyone's going to get flashbacks to that game in Trinidad five years ago now. Yeah. Not great. Not uh, not great. Not not great at all. But uh, it's going to be exciting times for Orlando to host a, another World Cup qualifier. Uh, that one will be on FS1 and Unimas if you are unable to make it to the game. Uh, 7 o'clock kickoff, which is three hours after the Orlando-Portland kickoff. And um, what you could do is go to a bar, watch the Orlando City game, and then walk straight over to the game which will kick off an hour after Orlando's ends. So there you go. There's there's your plan for Sunday. Just try not to get uh, too drunk. Be sure to drink some water because uh, the next day is Monday. So that's always fun. Ah, you do. Um, you don't listen to don't listen to the man telling you <laughs> trying to bring you down. Now for the U.S., a uh, bit of concerns in terms of the roster. Brendan Aronson's hurt. Weston McKenney is hurt. Serginio Dest is hurt. Um, Tyler Adams has been out of form. There's a lot of concerns going into this as of right now. But, again, they they hold their fate in their own hands. If they can get big results, then they they can advance. Um, If Canada wins, they'll top the group and that that is just kind of crazy in and of itself so it's going to be an exciting time for orlando to host another world cup qualifier and hopefully this is another kind of dress rehearsal for hosting a match in the world cup because those host cities are still being decided for uh 2026 and orlando is still one of those places that could be considered. So again, if if they show up and show out here in Orlando, then this could be a place that you could see some World Cup games coming in a couple years' time. So with that, let us move on to the uh, very end of our show here and talk a little bit about some uh, other quick things uh, that we need to talk about. First off, Kyle, it is our Uncle Iroh inspirational quote of the day are you ready 
I'm I am I was born ready. So we started this last week for those who don't know. Uh, Uncle Iroh from the Avatar: The Last Airbender series um, has inspirational quotes that we would like to share with you, and it is the actual voice actor of Uncle Iroh, Greg Baldwin, who has recorded these. And so, without further ado, here is this week's Uncle Iroh inspirational quote of the day. Why fart and waste it when you can burp and taste it? Incredible. Are you inspired, Kyle? Very inspired. Glad to hear it. Right. Next thing that we need to talk about before we get into our weird news and our red card slash playing advantage, it is where are they now? Who do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about an Orlando City player or an Orlando Pride player? I think we did We did an Orlando Pride player last week, didn't we? We did Pride last week, but what if we do Pride two weeks in a row? All right. Let us do the Orlando Pride two weeks in a row then. So if we go back to the uh, 2016 season, the inaugural season, let's take a look at our good friend, Kaylin Kyle. Where is she now, you may wonder? Well, she has become a TV presenter for not only Inter-Miami as one of their pregame show hosts, but has also become a fixture on Paramount Plus in terms of their Europa League uh, UEFA Champions League coverage, uh, etc. Uh, and she has also done color commentary for NWSL. So all in the broadcasting sphere of things. And uh, once again, she was on the Orlando Pride for 2016, played 17 games for them, and subsequently retired. Uh, now, having married Adrian Heath's son, Harrison, and having two children together down in Miami. And that is has, where are they now with Kaylin Kyle? Has she caught any games with anyone we might know? She she was uh, at some point going to call a game with me, but I think she had something to do with her kid and had to call out. Um, but at some point, I I may end up calling a game with her. So I mean, that's to be fair. I say this as someone who's been friends with you for long, pretty long time now. Uh, if mm-hmm. I had broadcast a game with you, I'd also maybe have a problem with my kid. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate speaking that. Of, speak, speaking of broadcasting, though, I believe we have a clip uh, that I tried to tee you up for earlier in the show. Yeah. And you just weren't able to play it. Can we can we just talk about the incredible broadcast job uh, from the Orlando City game from last weekend by one Chris Whittingham? Yes. Uh, Chris Whittingham, famously known from the uh, Dan Levitard show, uh, broadcasted the LA Orlando game on uh, Unimas and to the Ene in the English broadcast of it and um he had a a very interesting quote when pedro galese took a shot to the crotchal area in the 78th minute and uh here is chris whittingham with that you hit him in the penis that is just top tier you understand that you have to first of all now you the you bar has say been penis set on a broadcast you're a, you are allowed <laughs> to say penis on a broadcast sir because it's been done by someone who like at one time was on national television. I mean, that game is on national television. Yeah, but I met, I met like on like a, a frequent basis, like with their show. But I feel like that gives you a bit more leeway because you were on national television and I probably been on local but television. But he's also the type of person that would probably say the higher up, like in the, the echelon of sports things you get, the more professional you have to be. Hmm. And you are also very similar to that. Like, 
the the bigger opportunities that you get the more professional you're going to be in those opportunities whereas like when you're just doing things you know when you're someone like me who just does this and i don't care what i say because it doesn't matter right mm-hmm. now you have to you have to one up penis i know it's going to be hard <laughs> you have to one up penis well that is that is a quote from this show all right, let's let's end this show. Weird news, then red cards. Kyle, what is your weird news for this week? Oh, we gotta go red. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, a principal mm-hmm. in Northampton Hill. Uh, looks like looks like in in the Boston area. Considering this is from Boston.com, was relieved of their duties after calling students assholes. Hmm. The remarks were made in an internal message after the student union aired its concerns over changes to an honors math class. Uh, <laughs> uh, apparently, apparently, students are mad that the principal thinks that they're assholes. Do you remember when you were a student? Would it be safe to say that most students are probably assholes? Yeah, I think we 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 can all kind of describe teenagers in general as assholes. I actually I believe the word is uh, ass hats that he used. You're right, it is ass hats. My bad. Mm. Still, the connotation is the same. Honestly, even better. <laughs> Apparently, though, last Wednesday, students walked out of class, many while wearing stickers reading "Hello, my name is Ass Hat," which which like again. Not really helping your case here. You are asshats, but take that as a compliment. Mm-hmm. Don't don't be bothered by being called an asshat. That's an okay. It's it's okay. But yeah, that is oof. I'd be careful out there, principals. You got to call teach students asshats in ways that they won't find out. What about you, yeah. Austin? What's your what's your weird news for the week? A singer has been hospitalized because uh, she would not fart in front of her partner. What? Yeah. Basically, uh, Vivian de Quirios Pereira has been hospitalized after her reluctance to fart in front of her significant other resulted in a dangerous gas buildup. She has 15.7 million followers. Then she put it on her Instagram story about it. Uh, She said, I woke up at 5.30 a.m. with severe stomach pains and ended up in the hospital. Ladies, I speak on behalf of all men. Just fucking let her rip. It's okay. We do it all the time. You can do it once. Don't go to hospital. Dear Lord. So uh, she said she wasn't on farting terms with her boyfriend. (laughs) Uh, The uh, doctor, uh, apparently, they had to report the increased stomach pains was a result of accumulation of trapped farts. Yeah, you gotta. I mean, next time someone criticizes me, by the way, for farting, I'm gonna let them know. Look, if I don't, I can go to the hospital. It is very important that I let this gaseous buildup exit my rectal cavities. God, could you imagine like just building up like a week's worth of farts and then just, ugh, that's horrific. Like I'm yes. feeling, I'm feeling some like lower. <laughs> my like, stomach literally rumbled as I was talking about this. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't like the way my body is feeling right now. Uh, I have a, I have a, a honorable mention weird news story. Uh, because of rising fuel prices, a Tesco customer in England has decided to fill up his car with cooking oil. Sounds safe. Yeah, it, it didn't work. 
ruined his transmission, in fact. I, for one, am shocked that that Shocked. Absolutely shocked. All right. Last things. Red card slash playing advantage, Kyle. I know you've got a playing advantage. What are you playing advantage to today? I'm actually... So I'm I, I'm holding off on the playing advantage until we can get audio oh. for this specific one. I'm waiting for okay. this the video to drop, so it may not be until next week. So mm. I'm going to keep that one under wraps a little bit, but it is very juicy audio. But I have two red cards. Oh. One that is less of a serious red card and one that is more serious. My, my more serious one... I kid, I kid. My less serious one is a red card to FC Motown. Hmm. I was on Tuesday night. I got home from a very long day of work, and I realized, oh, round one of the U.S. Open Cup is on ESPN+. Plus. That's awesome. Like I get to watch teams that there's otherwise no chance of being able to see uh, here, in, here in Orlando. And I, I saw, you know, the first game that popped up was FC Motown versus Westchester United. I was mm-hmm. like, hmm. It's pretty cool. That's FC Motown. That's a cool name. And I decided immediately, I am a new FC Motown fan. And you know what FC Motown proceeded to do after I had said I was a new fan of them? They went up to nothing. And then I went, I should Google FC Motown. Turns out they are not from Detroit or really anywhere associated with the Motown musical movement because that's not what their name is. It's FC Morristown, and Motown is because people where they're from, which is Morristown, New Jersey, and I'm not speaking specifically just about the city. I'm speaking about the entire state of New Jersey here, have trouble speaking the English language, and so they've had to remove letters to make it slightly easier to say the name of the team, so they call themselves FC Motown. I decided to recant my fandom. They went on to lose 3-2. Not saying these two things are related, but I'm not not saying it either. Hmm. So very, very, very don't don't call your team FC Motown and make me think you've got like a really cool like anything. I mean, Kyle. To be fair, this is a Jersey thing, so kind of should have expected some sort of fake out. I guess. I I I suppose I should have. I didn't know it. Listen, I I. Round one of the U.S. Open Cup before, and no, who who pays attention to the cup this early, right? I do. Eh, I I know you do. It's still you're more I professional. Will, funny enough, okay. Here's a fun <laughs> transition. I am calling a game for the U.S. Open Cup <laughs> in two weeks' time. Uh, FC Tulsa will be playing uh, somebody the, to be determined because the games are happening tonight. But uh, next Tuesday, the first Tuesday of April is when I'll be calling that game. Well, I will be watching that game. Mostly just because, you know, I want to I'll be supportive of, 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 of a friend. <laughs> Unless that thing with my kid comes up. And to be clear, I don't have a kid to those who don't understand why it's it's funny for me to make that comment to Austin. No, but my actual, my real red card is, is to pick the governor of Florida, who is just a massive sack of shit, who decided to make a proclamation that they were going to recognize the runner-up at the national uh, swimming championships for college, uh, they were going to declare her the winner because they don't believe that the winner should have been allowed to compete. I just and be they, very... they, they, she's also a Florida native, so it's like, oh, yeah, this is precedence for us. Right. Um, to be very clear, we as a, as a show and as human beings very definitely 
We've used the word unequivocally before in this show, and I'm using it again now. Unequivocally believe that trans women are women. Trans men are men. And the fact that they are trans is not... That does not... It's it's not a thing that we should be pigeonholing them in. They are people. They are human beings and should be treated as such. And the idea that we are going to attack someone because of who they are as a human being is absurd to me. And so just a hearty just screw you to to our governor for so many different reasons this just being the latest of them yeah the list keeps growing i don't really have anything no no red cards or playing advantage oh can i do can, i'm gonna do one of the playing advantage then go i'm gonna play advantage to matt reeves and robert pattinson because the new batman movie is incredible oh it's amazing isn't it oh my god like I'll join, love, I'll join you on that. That 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 is a very good play. I advantage. I I love Batman. Like every Batman movie is great. I love the Dark Knight trilogy. Amazing. I didn't even mind Batflick. <laughs> like I just I mean Batman is is such a cool character on film. And oh my God, Robert Pattinson. I I came out of that movie not knowing who creeped me out more. Mm-hmm him as Batman or Paul Dano as Riddler and the way that Paul or that that Paul that Robert Pattinson approached playing Batman and watching the torment of him dealing with things the events of his past and and what he was doing and really becoming a hero getting to watch him become a hero without giving him just a straight up origin story was so fascinating uh, I will say though, if you're someone like like me who likes to listen to movie soundtracks, do not accidentally leave the Batman soundtrack in your queue before you go to sleep, as if you wake up to that theme, you might shit your pants. <laughs> it is some creepy music. Uh, I love were... that they used uh, Nirvana's um, uh, "Something in the Way." Yeah, no, high, very, very good movie. Uh, I think. I'm gonna have to wait till I can watch it again, not in theaters, so I can I can give. I mean, a, that's like a, in a, a week or two when it's on HBO Max. Well, yes, but so I can give a less in the moment take. But I think I think Paul Dano is a better villain than Heath Ledger. Ah, it's a take. That is a take right there. It's a take, I, but I think it's true. Yeah, I, I, I would disagree with that. I think you're 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 thinking too much in the moment. Wait a couple weeks. I I also think he's the type played the type of villain that I prefer where it was it was there was so much unknown with it and there was such a mystery behind him and so yeah, I it's, loved... it's personal preference right right I oh yeah I don't at all mean that as a not I thought Heath Ledger obviously is fantastic even though he's not the best Joker because the best Joker is Mark Hamill yes but live action to, right well, and even then, you know, it's, it's debatable. The the '80s Batman exists, mm. it's also, but it's a very different type of Joker. Mm-hmm. So, so again, it's different. But I, by that, in terms of playing like a dark, uh, kind of tormented villain, I thought I thought he did a great job. I thought a lot of the side villains were were excellent. That their the approach to the Penguin and things like that, just great, just just fan, fantastic. So playing advantage to the whole crew behind that zoe kravitz as catwoman oh my god excellent just did such a great job of they did such a great job of not making her just a side character there to serve you know batman's story 
Mm -hmm. I thought her story was actually maybe even a little more emotionally impactful than, than his. And again, and I don't mean that as a knock on his story, but everybody knows Batman's story, right? We know, we know his parents died and we know, and they, they do a couple little things in that, but the way they dealt with Catwoman's story, just, Oh, Oh my, Oh my word. It was very, it was very good. And, and despite it being three hours, I think they, they maximized the amount of stuff they put in the movie. I will say in general, I like long movies. And so I am okay with a movie being long. That movie did not feel like three hours. It felt mm-hmm. very well paced. There was always something happening or building up to something happening. So I, I'm fine with long movies as long as they handle it the way they did. But yeah, the Batman, very good. Playing advantage. Go see it. If you'd like to escape from the hellhole that is human existence, especially for those of us that <laughs> and, live in And Florida. go into the hellhole that is Gotham. Yeah, you know, sometimes you look at it and you go, <laughs> oh, man, this is awkward because some of the people who run Gotham might not be as bad as some of the people who run, you know, like Florida. But, you know, whatever. Mm. It's a great movie. Very great movie. Uh, they better make a sequel because I will be all over that. Absolutely. All right. Last thing I want to throw at you before we end the show. This is a question um, that will probably be you'll, – you'll see some videos of players answering this question on the team social media accounts but this is a question that we had a a very uh interesting debate at for training earlier today um and here here it is this is what i want to know uh for you what are there more of in the world wheels or doors wheels this is a stupid question it's wheels that is percent wheels in my opinion the correct answer yeah, it's 100% wheels. There's lots of there's lots of machinery that that has wheels involved in the making of them and on them and for as many things like a house may have, you know, 15 doors, but there are there's there are so lots many of more wheels. in the house that will have wheels. Yeah, there's wheels. There's more wheels. Yeah. Anybody who thinks it's doors is a loser and they're dead to There us. are there are some players that you have just insulted just now. Good. Fight me. Come on the show and argue with me. Debate me, bro. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we'll call it here. Thanks uh, for tuning into another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. We'll be back next week to talk about the, well, all the games. Um, I'll be out at the U.S. Men's National Team game as well as the OCB game on Saturday. Um, should be an interesting time for sure. And uh, very interested to see how ocb looks because well there's a lot of unknown with that and hopefully the u.s are qualifying for the world cup on sunday as well Uh, so with that for kyle foley i'm austin david thanks for tuning in to another edition of the orlando soccer show we will be back we'll see you later you're dirty brown water trash and you're always going to be dirty brown water trash